All right, AK Lead Heads, we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner, presented by Century Arms. We're in Season 2, Episode 9. We've only got three more to go, Adam, of our 12-part series of Season 2, and it's been a doozy. It's been a lot to deal with, you, this much. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're half of the time on. What are you talking about? You didn't even have to deal with me half the time. <laughs> And that was that was in hundred percent too much as it is. You you pawned me off on somebody else. We had Jason on last week, taking your place, filling your shoes. He did a really good job. Uh, we talked about the Galil, uh, and that was a good show. We had Jeremy Gresham with IWI, and we had our good buddy Marco Vorbiv, who's a former Spetsnaz. He's a historian and an author. He's got a couple of books out. If you guys go to Amazon, you can just Marco Vorbiv, M-A-R-C-O-V-O-R-B-I-V, and you'll find his books on the AK-47 there. But uh, just a really good, informative show about the Galil uh, from its history all the way to uh, what IWI is doing with the Galil these days. I really enjoyed that show. I learned a lot personally. So you missed out a lot, Adam. You would have learned something too. I mean, I, I listened to it. I just I didn't have the patience to be on it with you. <laughs> you have no patience whatsoever. If you had as much patience as you did height, I mean, you'd be awesome. If I had as much patience as I did height, I think I'd be asleep 99%. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to join us this episode, we brought in a whole slew of guests. I think this is probably the most people we've had at one time on an AK corner. But uh, from Primary Arms, that's going to be talking about their – uh, 762 by 39 specific scopes and reticles. We've got the director of marketing, Miranda Cook, joining us. Miranda, welcome in. Thanks. Uh, and Ian, you're going to have to pronounce your last name for me. Uh, it's pronounced BAME. BAME. Yeah. Okay, I was going to call you BOM. Ian the BOM. That, that, that works too. <laughs> Ian the BOM. That, that's, that's fine. That works too. Ian the BOM, yeah. BAME. He is uh, in their engineering and tech division there, so we're going to get very specific and technical with Ian uh, on their scopes and some other things. Also joining us, you guys have probably seen me share some of his posts here recently, it's Jared Seagraves. He's with 212 Training Group, and they have been doing some AK-47-specific training classes around the country and uh, I thought that'd be a good addition to the show. And Ian's got some very good hands-on with the AK-47 and knowledge. So, Jared, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Yes, Great to sir. be here. Yes, sir. Uh, and then another absentee from last show, and this is the first show that he missed was last week, and, and you know it was a doozy. Brian, you missed a really good show. It's our Boy, good buddy. did I ever, but it, <clears throat> it was nice to be in the passenger seat for that episode and just hear those really bright guys talk about stuff that I really love. So, yeah, I enjoyed the episode thoroughly, but uh, did miss being on it and getting to chat with those guys a little bit. Yeah. Brian Keeney with Occam Defense Solutions, a supporting sponsor of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Uh, you were sorely missed, buddy. I, I, there was several times that I was like, man, Brian would really be uh, getting into this conversation. <laughs> Well, I did, but I was just shouting at the, the headphones sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, happily. You're like, no, 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 talk about this. No, no, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was great. 
It was a really good one. I, I learned a lot. There's there's a lot to know about the AK, and I certainly don't know all of it. Yeah, well, we try to bring a little different aspect to every episode, and uh, that's what we're doing with this one. Now, I made a post prior to, like I normally do, letting the, the listeners know that the show was coming up and to post their questions, and uh, we've got a lot more than normal questions, so um, we're going to try to run through our main topic here, and we want to get to our listener questions because there's some good ones in there. So let's start off. Let's just kind of do a little recap of the, the history of the AK-47. Who, who's real good familiar with the history of the AK-47 here besides me? Because people don't like listening to me talk all the time. What about you, Jared? Well, 90% of what I know about the AK I learned from Brian. Um, <laughs> so he, he's probably the best source on that. Um, he is an awesome you know, source for that. Spent spent some time with uh, with Jim Fuller when I was working for, for Haley uh, in Vegas. But Brian and I have... Name dropping. Look at him. Communication. Spent a lot of time communicating, and uh, I think Brian's going to be the the best authority on that in this forum. Well, Brian, let's talk about Mikhail Kalashnikov back in the 1940s. Sure. So you know, I'm I'm not one of the ones that uh, you know. Everybody has their own opinion on the history of the AK, and I I. Uh, you know, Kalashnikov is, has contradicted himself in print several times, so it's hard to know, you know, exactly what right. went down. But, you know, there is no, um, you don't, you don't do something that amazing, <clears throat> I guess, unless you're Michelangelo or Jesus uh, on your own. And um, even Michelangelo, I think, went, was going blind by the end when he was doing the Sistine Chapel, and so I, I suspect he had a lot of helpers that we've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, Stradivarius, another good example, or Stradivarius, the violin maker, he made his name is on more violins, violoncellos, and other other stringed instruments than it is physically possible for one person to build in a lifetime. So I like thinking about the team that Kalashnikov led. Um, there was, uh, I think, a Schmeisser engineer that had been sort of shanghaied into uh, the Ismash plant. So there's certainly some German involvement there. Mm-hmm. The Sturmgewehr obviously um, has some, some parentage there with the AK. And uh, so there was a, there were several design teams working post-World War II. I think um, the, the Russians certainly understood that Germany, if they had won, would have really kept flying by the rest of us. So there was a heavy emphasis on making a lightweight <clears throat> cheap to manufacture, highly reliable machine gun, and the Eastern Front uh, certainly contributed heavily to its design. Um, they, uh, you know, the size of the trigger guard accommodates lobster mittens. You know, where you have a pointer finger, and then your three smaller fingers are in one um, in one pocket. That's just a normal uh, glove for Adam, though. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he. Uh, there's that. There's the large, you know, uh, charging handle and uh, safety on there. All of that really, you know, goes towards winter warfare. So the first effort um, was a stamped gun that didn't work real well. That, you know, as as we've all come to know, uh, riveting stuff and having it last is really tricky. So the first effort failed. They went to a milled receiver for a little bit. 
And then I think in 54, 56, something like that, they came out with the AK that we know and love, which is technically not an AK-47, but an AKM for modernized automatic Kalashnikov. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the that gun worked obviously very well, has been um, modified in several countries, both under license and not under license. The Chinese... You know, I think their their effort is actually one of the more impressive. Uh, the the everybody knows that the front trunnion is hard to make well, and the Chinese, especially at that time, didn't know how to make things very well, and they ended up making the barrel quite a bit smaller, which left more meat for the for the trunnion to to you know to remain in the trunnion, and so they got away with inferior metallurgy and ended up with what I think is a better design. So at a certain point. You know, Kalashnikov starts to fade a little bit from the scene and you start seeing what all these different countries did, you know, and some some better, some worse. Um, Like the, you know, I don't think anybody wants to copy the tubular North Korean design for their magazine, but it is interesting. Um, So then we get up to Vietnam and, uh, you know, Robert McNamara's whiz kids figured out that at least in their mathematical formulas, the five, five, six round was the bee's knees. And, uh, it obviously had some shortcomings. Um, you know, it's a varmint round that was appropriated for, for warfare. And the Soviets took that on that idea on and they said, Hey, there's some merit here. You can carry more rounds on a smaller person. Um, and they, you know, necked down the seven, six, two casing and made a five, four, five casing, which is 21 and change caliber. And uh, again, it was a very good design, and that was released in 1974, which gave us the 74. And AK-74, those are the, 74, right, yeah. So there are some other, you know, architectures that are similar but different, like the Krinkov and the Dragonov, but they all kind of belong to the piston-driven, um, you know, rolling lock, or not rolling lockup, but standard lockup that we think of in the AK world kind of rifle. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything else kind of descends out from there. But those are the main branches of the Kalashnikov family tree in a, a very rough timeline. I, I'm by no means a master of the history of the AK. <laughs> you could have fooled me. <laughs> Holy crap. That was, that was a great little uh, wrap-up of the history right there. So perfect. Uh, cool. If you guys want a more detailed of the history, go back to Season 1, Episode 1 where we got into some real good detail of the, the history of the AK-47. Uh, and then moving on you know, to the variants, to the AKM, the AK-74s. Uh, and then last episode, you know, the Galil, which is derivative of the, uh, the AKM design. So very good. Uh, and, and countries are making different variations all around the world. Uh, and all, I don't know how many different countries there's. But, but dozens of countries that are uh, making the AK-47 in, in different variants and forms and fashions. So very good. So that leads us up to to today, to the modern AK. Which I say the modern AK, I'm talking about U.S.-made uh, AK-47s. Now, there are other countries, like I said, that are doing the vari- variations. And uh, IWI is a perfect example of what they're doing with the Galil uh, and how they've modernized that. So make sure you go back to last episode and listen to that. I received my ODS-1775 not too long ago, and I have, I've taken it out twice now. I've not had a chance to really you know, put it through the ringer. Talk about how Occam Defense 
And and Adam, we're going to get into Century Arms too because Century Arms is you know the leading producer, probably worldwide of the AK-47. Definitely in America, definitely in the United States. But I want to talk about the the ODS seventeen seventy five real quick. So talk about what you guys have done with the AK platform with your rifles. Yeah, so um, I first came into AKs um, as as defensive weapons when I realized that with little kids, you know, well, handguns with little kids, but then I realized that, oh, handguns are not good at <clears throat> really making people stop if they're out of their heads in one way or another. And so was looking for a home defense rifle and didn't even consider the AK because it was so friggin' ugly in my eyes at that time. And I thought that the, the AR aesthetics were where it was at, but then started doing a bunch of research into reliability of 308 caliber ARs. Not that they can't be done right. It's just very hard. And at that time they weren't, there weren't many out there that ran reliably. And so immediately started looking around for what else would work. And I was like, Oh, I would really think that a short barreled 308 is, is pretty awesome. And, uh, so I could either do a foul or an AK and fouls look really are, are very difficult to get right. And the AK looked a little more tractable. I was in California, so I needed to build my own to escape gun registration. And uh, <clears throat> due to the to the laws in California about running what's called featureless, where you're not allowed to have a pistol grip, it became very obvious that the gun was very front heavy if you were going to run one-handed. So I immediately began looking at ways to lighten up the front end of the gun. And... Uh, did that with our RST product, and that kind of launched my entry into the AK business. But then as soon as I had fixed the, the sighting solution of pulling it off the front end of the gun, where it really, you know, it counts as heavier weight, the further out towards the muzzle you get. Mm -hmm. And so then I put a handguard on to, so I could put a flashlight on, and I immediately lost all of the advantages that I'd gotten from pulling the RST back because right. I just added weight on and plus i was still getting burned you know that's another big downside to the ak is you typically have to wear gloves and pants to make sure that you don't get burned by the barrel mm -hmm. and so Your typical trial at, and error type situation yeah, here. no it was a it was a very slow evolution of just trying different stuff and the first merc handguard was where i took a, a magpul zhukov and just took the gutter that's in the bottom of the thing there's a little u channel mm -hmm. and uh drilled and tapped an rst and then screwed it on with a bunch of washers for bushings and it worked so freaking well i was shocked and then you know we were still getting a fair amount of heat conduction so i looked at uh hey can i put a heat shield in here like a muffler and have that work and it doubled our thermal performance right there so i knew i was onto something that other people hadn't figured out yet and we started working in earnest on a handguard and um you know had a few pre-orders for the handguard but uh one of my mentors james yeager was like when are you going to figure out that you got to start selling guns to sell all your parts and i said <laughs> i really don't want to do that and he said well you figure out whether you want to be in the business or not and uh so I took a leap and did a pre-order on those and kind of put out the design <laughs> on a napkin, I think, when I was talking with you about whether it was a dumb idea or not. And, right. and uh, you, uh, you, I think, said, hey, yeah, go for it. And so I just wrote down on a napkin the best parts that I thought you could get in the U.S. He's like, yeah, hey, on. it's not my $2 million. Go ahead. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, no kidding. 
my my pocketbook definitely hates you. Uh, <laughs> although it was it was really my wife that said that I should go for it, so I, I'm going to give her credit there for the go. final cup over the cliff. And she's been an incredible supporter of of mine. And most of my customers know her pretty well. She takes care of them on the phones and order management, and yeah, make sure that we wash behind our ears in the morning and that kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, just just put together. Every, the best parts that I knew how to find. And that's what the 1775 is. And since then we've evolved it a bit. Like we've put the 1913 rear trunnion on. And part of that was just, it was, it's hard. It's harder and harder to get good parts. Yeah. And um, the stock situation for the AK is dicey. Like right now we're having a lot of trouble getting regular stocks. So we're making our own. And so a lot of the products we've built have just been out of necessity for stuff we can't get, so we make right. it ourselves. Right. And, and, that, um, and we're going to talk about that. I want to get get in, into that as well. But I want to shoot it over to Adam now. I want to talk about uh, Century Arms. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Century Arms was one of the – is probably still the biggest importer of the AKs, but they're making them here in America now. So, Adam, talk about uh, Century Arms. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's obviously one of the things that's been synonymous with Century for many years is our ability to import and obviously the volume that we've done that in. And that's where things like the Mighty Wasser come in and the Draco and then the, the, the variants of the AK platform, you know, the PSLs, things like that. And it's something that we want to continue to do and it, quite frankly has been the bread and butter of our business for many, many years. But as, as we were speaking on just a second ago, the reality is that, that parts are drying up. And, you know, that's when you saw these influx in, in uh, I don't want to say price gouging, but it was a supply and demand. Sure. You had, you know, I remember when people were saying, I could get an AK out of a barrel for 300 bucks, 200 bucks. Now, why am I paying closer to 1000 for it? And the reality was... Yes, some people were taking advantage of it, but also they were harder and harder to come by. Yeah. So, I, you know, there's bans all over the country um, from where they can or all, all over the world from where they can and can't come from. And then, you know, I think that was the initiative that Century as well as some other great U.S. manufacturers said, hey, the only way we're going to be able to continue to, you know, feed into our Second Amendment rights and do it with AKs is to figure out how to put this, this crazy puzzle together here in the U.S. And... It, it's it's really an interesting. It's a science, and at the same time, I think there's a lot of dumb luck and, and trial and error that goes into it, because when you look at an AK in comparison to like an AR platform, you know, I remember when I was on the on the ground floor of working on trying to develop this AK platform with another manufacturer that's now done very very well with it. Mm -hmm. um, They've been on the show. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to say you know. Obviously, I used to be a Palmetto State Armory, and you know, when I was working on that. One of the things that everybody, when we first started getting into it, was trying to be so precise and everything be such a perfect fit like you would on an AR platform. And the fact, the reality is, when you start doing that to an extent, it suddenly takes away from what is this magical mush of the AK. You know, it is genuinely controlled chaos inside that gun at any given time. And if you try to get too precise with it, what you end up doing is all of a sudden you mess with these, these tolerance that... For inexplicably, and, and you know, I'm sure Brian can speak a lot more, more to that. Suddenly, you know, trying to do things too perfect cr creates failure, and or it and creates so, a whole new rifle like the Galil. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's something that's amazing. But to 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 try to to try to do that took a lot of trial and error on just trying to create an AK. So you know, Century has really uh, had 
a long journey on this. You know, obviously it started with their first release and it wasn't something that they were content to say, okay, we've, we've, we've done it. You know, there's constantly an evolution from the Rasp to obviously now the Visca, and then we're constantly evolving. Obviously, at Shot Show this year, we announced that we're doing uh, a 74 project, and we are—I don't mind saying—there's something new coming out in the next few months what? from Century what? as well. That oh. will be the evolution. Yeah, that'll be the. <laughs> I mean, evolution I would, of- don't mean to cut you off, but being a consultant yeah. for Century and Canic for so long, it's like we've come a long way. Like, I remember, you know, back in the day when they were just starting Canic and they were just starting to have U.S. made AKs. And it's like, you know, the Raspberry 47, the evolution of the Visca. And I'm super excited to hear what you have coming up next. Yeah, it's going to be something that we're really excited about. You know, people think that AKs are just kind of hammered together and, and but it's really not that and you know we've brought some people up you know we've we've, we've brought up some some really highly regarded individuals in this industry um, to come check out our facility some people that uh you know I, I, walk, I personally walked Larry Vickers through our facility and he was mind blown he said I would have never thought the amount of precision detail and machinery goes into every one of these AKs that you're you know mass producing I mean everything from i mean we have hundreds of large-scale machines to then all the way down to you know the precision that goes into making sure that every part is perfectly made and perfectly fit Uh, there's a lot of love and attention that goes into each of these guns and some things just have to be still be done by hand and i don't think that's ever going to change and i think that's kind of what makes the ak so special so we're really excited to continue the evolution of it you know we are proud to have more the entry-level AK that you can get and then customize into something that fits your particular needs. And I think that's spoken to our volume because there's a lot of people out there that want the AK platform but don't necessarily either have the time, the know-how, or the money to really craft it into something at that time. So we want to get them into it, get them familiar with the platform, and then then make decisions in terms of what's, uh, what's best for them. Exactly. And that's you know kind of what we're going to touch on today is uh, – the AK has become more like the AR in that it's it's more modular. Uh, you know, there's been more aftermarket accessories made for the AK with the hand guards, the uh, you know the mounts, the optics, the grips, the triggers, um, uh, even internal parts. You know, there are people that are being very uh, innovative uh, in in creating their own aftermarket products that make the AK better, better and better and better and better. So. Um, you know, like you said, you guys are kings of the you know entry level AK 47s, the 74s soon to come. And I mean, can you give us a hint as to what the next big unveil is here? Yeah, I, I can give you a little this bit. This is of the hint. show so, for exclusives. Come on. Fair enough. Like, so obviously. <laughs> So a lot of our stuff, our components, you know, we, we did some serious testing and uh, S7 uh, tool steel is what the tips of jackhammers are made from. And, you know, we've used a lot of our parts have now been created from that uh, due to the durability uh, and, you know, the, the ability to withstand heavy duty action um, that comes with that. With that being said, there is 
you know, our industry, especially, and the consumer has shifted their demand as they've become more informed on what the AK platform is. You know the magic word, especially when we're talking about trunnions. People, you know, there's that half of them say, oh, forged, you got to have a forged trunnion or it doesn't even work. Or, and then you hear the people, oh, you got to have a bold trunnion or it's not even going to work. And, and all the back and forth. Let's just say I think everybody's going to be very, very happy with uh, the next evolution of of the Century AK. Okay. <laughs> I think I kind of got an idea what's going on there. Brian's going, hmm, Brian's, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, wonder what that could be. It's always really fun to see what, you know, Century has a, uh, you know, something that I don't have, which is size. And uh, when they decide to do stuff, it's pretty cool what comes out the other end. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what, what they got cooking here. Yeah, and you know, Brian, you know, you spoke on that, and this is something that we we uh, we I, we hinted on at shot as well. One of the things that I think is has led to the evolution of the AK is sometimes you got to get out of your own way, and you got to realize that you don't know everything about it. And that's one of the things I'm really crediting Century's success on is they're starting to really open up and work with some industry partners because the reality is is that these are the kind of things that can be beneficial for all of us. The evolution of this pro- platform and figuring out the best way to make it work for our U.S. manufacturers is going to be advantageous. So don't don't be surprised if uh, I'm hitting you up on the bat phone pretty soon <laughs> on this because the reality is, is we need all the help we can get to make sure that what we're finally what everybody's delivering to the end user is a quality product that they can rely on in any sort of situation that's really cool uh, very happy to help wherever I can and um, yeah I, I'm friends with a bunch of you guys over there and there's some really good people at Century so I'm, I'm uh, excited to see how the cross-pollination goes Absolutely. Apparently, Miranda used to be one of those people. I didn't realize that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I used to do consulting in the firearms industry, and I used to consult with Century and Canic for, I want to say, for about four or five years. Yeah. This is when when Canic was just starting to come in. Yeah, when I came in here, Miranda was, was still doing a lot with us, and let's just say it was some big shoes to fill. This episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner Season 2 is brought to you in part by Occam Defense. The guys at Occam love the AK, but didn't love burning their hands, getting cut by their pre-sharpened gun, or the lack of options for accessories. After spending a few years in the lab, they've recently released the ODS-1775, which brings the best of the AR family to the Kalashnikov's reliability. It's still an AK under the hood. AK mags, forged Polish AK parts, but with American aerospace manufacturing practices and ingenuity. Check them out at OccamDefense.com or on Instagram at OccamDefenseSolutions. Well, let's just do this because I failed to do it in the beginning. Let's just let's get some bios from everybody real quick. So, Miranda, just continue with your bio there. Um, so, I've been in the fire industry for quite a while. Um, my late husband got me into the industry. He used to work you know, at a gun store, then brought an FN, and then we ended up starting our own consulting firm. And so I've had a wide variety of firearms clients starting from the startups to multi-million dollar companies. And the goal was really to help companies be more on par with their competition. Additionally, um, I took on a strong role when it came to social media and helping, you know, companies like Century when they didn't have press releases, they didn't have coordinated photography, they didn't have a bunch of stuff, and kind of starting from the ground up and making them, having a rebrand to really make a face 
when it comes to brand awareness. And I've really enjoyed it. <clears throat> and luckily, I ended up getting this position with Primary Arms, and I really enjoy working here. I've had a great deal of room to kind of improve, you know, when it comes to the brand messaging, when it comes to media buys, when it comes to future coordinated product launches. So I'm just excited to be here. Very good. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank you for taking taking the time to be on. Uh, let's go ahead and get Ian's bio too. Ian, you're a coastie, right? Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I spent uh, eight years in the Coast Guard as a uh, what they call gunner's mate. So basically, I was a weapon specialist. So my job was to count right all on. the bullets and maintain the guns, and then uh, teach people how to use said weapons and bullets and all that fun jazz. Because <laughs> Coast Guard people uh, use those too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not going to make any Coast Guard jokes. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's fine. The puddle pirate, it's, it's all good. I, I like to call it the diet military, but that's, you know, that's something a little different there. The, mo but, the uh, most underrated I, branch there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially even with the Space Force now. So, <laughs> one of these days. I can figure out how to do it in Space Force. I was, I'm doing it tomorrow. I'm in. If they'll take me like they do on the TV show, I mean, they take old guys, so. <laughs> yeah, done. Um, but I, I've been working for Prime Arms for about three and a half years now. I actually started um, shortly after I got out of the Coast Guard as one of their firearms technicians. So I was over in the customer service answering phones and stuff like that. And I've been working on my uh, mechanical engineering degree. And there was an opening over in uh, optics division. And so they needed some, some basically help with the director of engineering. And that's kind of where I got moved. So I do little bit of everything from uh, aid in the, the the design of projects to you know the reticle drawings stuff like that just a little bit of everything to recoil testing nice. so that one that one's my favorite but you uh you speak brian's language then you and you and brian speak the same language you're both um, the engineers yeah yeah, yeah. Look out. this is going to turn into a nerd fest if he te keeps talking about recoil testing because that's uh that's a, a, a big thing to highlight with primary arms is that uh, AKs have a reputation for eating glass. And um, I don't have a ton of trigger. You guys just sent me two of the first and second focal plane versions of your one to six power that I am really excited about. Haven't had, I'm sorry, I'm breaking in all over you here, but I think it's just so important for you guys to talk about the recoil testing that you're doing because yeah, there's not a lot of glass that lives very long on AKs. And uh, so it, yeah. if you guys have the ability to talk about secret, not secret, if there's something that's not secret about the way you uh, that you guys recoil test, I think we could all benefit from hearing about what you're doing. Our listeners won't tell. It's okay. I'm just, I'm just glad that Jay Dressler introduced us so we can actually work with you. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, uh, Jay's yeah, the man. Yeah, he... He uh, tests gear very hard and trusts his life to that primary arms one to six. So uh, um, to me, that says everything. Well, so uh, a yep. lot of the stuff what we do is not necessarily secret. We tried to keep it simple but effective. I mean, we realized that uh, a lot of these people are using these optics for what they're intended. They're mounting them on guns. And so uh, a lot of our recoil testing involves me mounting these things on like a SCAR-17 or an HK, something uh, a 308 piston driven rifle, something that's known to destroy these optics. And then I'll just go to the range with several thousand rounds of ammo and I will do my best to try to destroy this optic. Um, I mean, who doesn't want your job? Yeah, I mean, it, 
I'm sending you my application. After about the first 3,000 rounds, it's uh, it starts hurting. No, I mean, Away. a lot of three away that, yeah, it'll, it's painful, but it, it's okay. I, I guess somebody's got to do the job. Right. And that was one of the things that, that for me was kind of cool um, as we started testing some of this stuff, because that was one of the things that I, me and my boss kind of instituted when I started is we wanted to make sure that we were running a lot of our optics really hard to, to kind of see what's failing on them and improving the optics. And so, with a, a lot of our newer optics, um, the one to six, um, first focal plane, some of our new red dots and our prisms, you know, at this point in time, I have thousands upon thousands of rounds on the same optic. And it, it's, it's almost become kind of a bad joke because some of these optics, I can't break them. And so it's like, we go to the range and I have one of our new red dots, our 25 millimeter red dot. I have one that's got, it's about 7,000 rounds. And it's every time I go to the red the range, I mount it on the side of the scar and it just still works. And so it's like, I, at this point in time, I'm trying to break it all, like accidentally throw it out of the car, or accidentally drop it like three or four times. To, <laughs> yeah, and I, it, it was the weirdest thing because dents keep appearing in the optic. I don't know how, but, uh, you know, at this point in time, I want it to break so we can kind of figure out, you know, what the weak point is. But it's some of them are just it's, you know, we we've a lot of the newer optics we've um, we sat down from the ground up, just did a complete brand new engineering design. Um, my, my boss used to work for Knight's Armament and SIG. And so he's used a lot of the experience that he's gotten on his, um, you know, working for the, the night vision department and then also pistol design and other optics design to kind of build upon our current designs and make them more robust, but at the same time, not, you know, increase the prices, which is, you know, very, a you know, very good thing for the consumers. Yeah. So I was I was looking around the room as you were talking there. I've got one of your red dots, and I've had it for about I would say five or six years. Uh, it's it's on that AK up there. I don't know if you can see it or not. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know which model it is, but you know whatever you're making about that many years ago, that's that's the one I've got, and it's it's running great. I hadn't had any problems with it. So what what I want to talk about, you guys. Uh, I didn't want to jump into it yet, but we're going to talk about your your scopes. You know, when people think of AKs, they don't really think of scopes. But, you know, the better that the AKs are being made these days, the more accurate that they are becoming. Uh, I mean, accurate to the point where you're getting, you're going to be able to get some precision out of these rifles. Uh, and that's what I'm working on with the ODS 1775 right now, is to prove not only accuracy, but precision. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going through a test with some several different, uh, scopes and optics right now and tr you know trying to figure out what works best and I've gone through a couple right now that are you know I'm getting closer and closer but I hadn't really dialed it in yet so um, I think probably let's just go ahead and let's jump to to the scopes um, that you guys are offering the sim 62 but 39 uh, BDCs and let's talk about those okay well um, so kind of kind of uh, one of the things you know primary arms as we were developing optics we kind of saw that there was a, a, a few years back there was a kind of a complete uh, i guess void in optics for ak's yeah especially something that was you know calibrated ballistically you know the acog you know a lot of other manufacturers have made optics for rifles and 556 primarily the ar platform um rifles but there's been kind of a void in that. So that's kind of where we stepped up, especially in a, a, a good quality price point that, you know, you don't have to break the bank to get. And so 
that's kind of where we stepped up. And, and so we've had various AK optics for, I want to say that about six or seven years now. And then we've kind of basically taken what is for me seen as our kind of our namesake is the ACSS reticle, which stands for the advanced combined sighting system. Um, we've kind of taken that and refined it and made it better um, based off of, you know, actual use, you know, we've sent it to people and people will be like, Hey, this is what we think would make this optic better, this reticle better. We've taken that and, and designed it. And what we're releasing new for this year is, is kind of a, a great example of, you know, what I'd mentioned earlier is we're taking that the physical optics themselves and making them robust. And then also, you know, we're, we're all, always improving upon the reticles. And so, um, the ones that we had talked, you know, I'd mentioned earlier that some of the two X's, the fixed powers are the, the one to six. I think are are some of our best optics yet, especially for the AK. Um, and they're ballistically calibrated, so basically you just zero, and it's a fire forget type system. You just it lines up, and they work great. Okay, so talk about the design on and the features of of those those scopes. Well, so um, one of the 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 one that I'm really excited about, it's my personal favorite, is this two X prismatic. Um, so this one was at 100% designed in-house here in Texas. And uh, so we've tried to make this thing, basically what we wanted is, is a small compact optic that's just, that's got great glass, but still you aren't sacrificing anything for it. It's, it's light, everything. So what we were doing with this one when we did the design is we wanted you to be able to have a long eye relief so you could put it on an AK and it not be uncomfortable. You could use the rifle without sacrificing you know comfort and so and then at the same time we didn't want it to be overly heavy you know it, it can be used on an ar platform other platforms but um, one of the things we built in is the fact that you can get a really low base on it and so you can suck it down super close mm-hmm. uh, to their rifle so you're not you know you're doing more of a cheek weld not a, a chin or a neck weld something that's you know setting up all crazy like and so that's one of the things that we were really excited about is get that riser in there and then also We've worked with the illumination system to make them super bright. So it's, it's uh, you know, even though it's a 2x magnification, you still get almost a red dot like ma- um, illumination out of it. It's super, super bright, but you're not really sacrificing any battery life. We got a an auto on, auto off system that so if you know it sits idle, it'll turn itself off to conserve battery. But the LED itself is still super efficient. So you're looking at about a 20,000 hour battery life on a medium setting. Plus, it's an etched reticle, so even if it do do run out of batteries, you you still have that reticle there. You can okay, still okay. use. Nice. Now, talk about the reticle. Describe the reticle and talk about the the features of the reticle. Well, so um, the reticle itself has got uh, a lot of features that make it easy to use up close. So there's CQB things built in. There's a, a an illuminated horseshoe. Um, if you want to use it, the horseshoe, basically, it's one of those things you just kind of put that horseshoe anywhere on the target and it's going to hit. Yeah. So it's approximately shoulder width, um, out to hundred yards. And then from that point forward, if you need to shoot further out, we have bullet drop compensation built in. Um, and I, I've personally taken one of these out to well, 500 yards at some of the local ranges we have. And I mean, I put, you know, just the whatever ammo, just, you know, Wolf brand or anything else, just the whatever ammo. Red I can army find. standard. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, of course, um, and then that that stuff you just put the Red Army standard in there, and it, it's it's amazing how well um, they just line up. You just it's point shoot, 
And to kind of backstory behind that, the 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 engineer that or the gentleman that designs all the this um, the reticles for us, uh, Dimitri, he spent a lot of time and effort, you know, a lot of research refining these reticles, and that includes, you know, we'll send him thousands around. So he'll go out to the desert and basically just sit there all day long. Dimitri, you know, making sure every, huh? yeah, yep. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Could be, maybe not. So you're talking about the primary arms, uh, the two X prism that, uh, and you're calling this reticle the ACSS reticle. Yes. So um, okay. the ACSS is kind of like an umbrella name for all of our reticles. So it, it's like they'll all have some features that qualify it as an ACSS. Um, this particular one is what we call the CQB M5, and uh, it's just basically a, an iteration of the ACSS. It's kind of kind of like if you know. I would say, you know, you have a like a Ford is a brand name and then you'll have different variations of vehicles within gotcha. Ford. And that's kind of what this is. Um, and it's so uh, this this particular reticle is very versatile, too, because it also gives you the ability to range targets. So if there's a, a target that happens to be eight inches or 18 inches wide, you can figure out how far that way that target is away by just using the bars that are built into the reticle. And that way, it basically increases your chance of, in, you know, first hit engagement or what have you. Right. And um, this also will work with the 300 blackout. I'm seeing. Correct. Correct. So um, one of the things that uh, when during the reticle design, we we sat down, and we figured out is that, you know, the ballistics, obviously, the 300 blackout and 762 by 39 can be very similar, um, especially for the supersonic. And so mm -hmm. this will work with both super and subsonic 300 blackout. And you'll have to modify the way that you zero it, mm -hmm. but they'll work re really well for okay. both. Very good. Let's talk about your uh, the one to six by 24. Uh, okay. The, the actual scope scope. Okay. And, and that's uh, another thing that, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of for the AK platform. And we, we offer several variations, both a first focal and a second focal plane. Um, the one I had mentioned predominantly because it's our newest one is our first focal plane. And that's got, you know, a lot of great features that you can use it at one X is super quick and accurate. And it's got that once again, the horseshoe. So it's very quick, fast, you know, just bring it up on target and then you can dial out to six or since it is first focal plane, you can do four, 3.25, whatever you want to do. And it's going to remain accurate mm -hmm. and it's going to have that bullet drop compensation as well as wind leads on that one. So if you want to get real, real fancy with your shooting, you can. Now with the first focal plane, uh, for people who missed our optics, um, episode, talk about what that does, what that gives you. So, uh, that, um, what that does is basically it puts the, uh, the, the reticle in the, the same focal plane as the target. So essentially what it does is as you run through magnification, it's going to grow and shrink with the, the, the whatever the target is. And it's so I kind of put in perspective if, if you are um, looking through a set of binoculars, if you put your thumb in front of the binoculars, it's going to magnify your thumb with the target. Mm -hmm. Whereas a second focal plane, if you put it, the, your thumb in between your eye and the binoculars, it's going to remain the same size and relative to your your eye and it's not going to get magnified at all. Right. If that makes sense. So the reticle gets bigger, uh, as you yep. magnify in on first focal plane. Right. So if you've got, yeah. you know, a dot or something, um, what MOA is your, is yours set at? Well, uh, there's a couple different, um, you know, different sizes of objects on that particular one. But for example, the, with the wind lead dots, you're looking at, 
uh, 0.5 MOA for some of them. Mm -hmm. So as you dial it up, once you get to the higher magnifications, it'll give you, you know, it'll increase in the size and you'll be able to see it better. So as you're doing higher magnification shots, you'll be able to pick out the the details in the reticle a little bit more. Whereas if you dial it down to one X, it's going to basically shrink. Con to that is as the reticle gets bigger, it's going to cover up smaller objects at distance. It's going to make them harder to see. Yep. So talk about the reticles that you have on that. So with that particular um, scope, uh, for the first focal plane, we have one that is specifically geared for 762 by 39 or 300 blackout. And then we have another one that's geared for 556, 308, and 545. Okay, nice. And they're very similar. It's just um, designed just ever so slightly to accommodate for the ballistics of whichever platform you're putting it on. Okay. Now, if you other, Brian, if you've got questions, Adam, uh, Jared, you got questions, ask them as we're going through this. Jared looks like he's got some questions there. So. <laughs> no, I was just okay. acknowledging. Okay. <laughs> you like you wanted to say something. All right. So no, the, I'm just soaking it in. The primary arms SLX one to six by twenty four. Uh, you have the first or second focal plane. Uh, it's illuminated. Yes. The Raptor is that. Um, that's the first focal plane. Correct, and and that's uh, that's the basically the name of the reticle. It's still an ACSS, but that iteration of ACSS is called the Raptor. Okay. What's your second focal plane reticle? So like? the second focal plane, that one is um, actually a little bit older design as far as ACSS is concerned, um, and. For the second focal plane scopes, we actually have a few more options as far as uh, reticle choices. Um, we got ones for the 556, uh, as well as the 762 by 39 and the 300 blackout. And then we have a few for like 22 long rifle. We have a couple more that are just simplistic, not caliber specific, but are like mill based. So you could still use them on, you know, any platform you want, just a little bit more simplistic reticles. Gotcha. Now, do these come with mounts? Uh, no, they do not. Um, but they use any um, these all these ones we've discussed use a thirty millimeter mount, so it's not anything unique. And so you can always pair it with. Uh, if we're putting it on AK platform, you could do like an RS regulate with like the, the over the side mount, or if you're doing like a, a dog leg, you can do some a set of scope rings, some something like that. So there's you know it's a little flexible. You're not tied into a certain mounting system. It's pretty much as long as you find a thirty millimeter something that'll work with a thirty millimeter tube, it'll pretty much work. Gotcha. Now, Brian, you said that you've uh, got some hands-on with these, and have you had a chance to use them yet? And no, I've only looked through them. haven't mounted them up yet, but I've checked with our eye relief, and they're a very nice fit for our Merc rail. They can go right on the top there using a standard cantilever or regular mount. And, um, yeah, they look great. The, the illumination, it's not too busy. The only illumination is there's a... I think a chevron on one and a horseshoe on the other, if I remember correctly. And it's yeah. just those, it's just the, the horseshoe itself and the chevron that are illuminated. So if you're looking for, to move quickly into a snapshot, um, you're not going to get overwhelmed with information and the, the etching of the reticle, like the BDC. And then there's a, uh, there's a couple dots as for windage. If somebody's running at a, you know, moving, what is it, three or five miles an hour, Ian? Something like that? You've got a lead uh, here? Yeah, depending on which one you're, you're talking about, there is three and five. And then there's also like 8.6 and 12 if for like a running. And then five and 10 for wind movements. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, so anyway, all of that extra stuff, 
if you want to see it, it's very easy to pick it up. But, uh, you know, if you're just looking to make a shot, it's it's clear that the two, they've got the balancing right between the two. Um, I've used other highly magnified optics um, that get eaten pretty quickly. And I'm not going to mention which ones don't work, but I have a lot of experience with stuff not working. And so I'm very excited to get this uh, in action here. Very cool. Yeah, well, that, that may be the piece that I'm missing right there as far as the, the scope go. Like I said I've gone through a, a couple of different uh, scopes and the reticle. And the reason I was talking about the uh, first focal plane is that's been my problem with trying to go to distance is that the way the reticles are set up on the scopes I've used, the, um, the center has a, a dot or mark that will cover up and prevent me from getting as precise as I'd like to get. Okay. And that's one of the advantages of the ACSS system is our center aiming point. Um, in the past, it was a dot, but we've, based off of feedback and everything like that, we've transitioned more to chevrons. And so that gives you a more infinite aiming point because you're basically using a very precise tip as opposed to a, a dot that, um, that you, the, there is room for error. This, it's pretty much you point that, you put that tip wherever you want and that's where it's going to hit. Yeah. Put the melon on the post. All right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the the type reticle that I that I probably will need. That lends um, some advantage to people that have you know, vision issues. If you're using a red dot and you are suffering from astigmatism, then that's going to you know really affect your your vision through a red dot. And that chevron is is much easier when your eyesight is suffering. So yeah. yes. That's one of the things that um, we hadn't really talked about yet is our red dots. And, and we have... That's where we're headed my, next. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, and, and so one of our newest ones is our 25 millimeter. I actually... Um, it, can they see on the video? Uh, no. No, you're going to okay. send me some pictures and I'm going to post it with the show notes. This is just audio. Only. Perfect. Okay. So uh, one of the things, you know, one of the new optics, um, the one that I'd mentioned that I, it's this point in time I'm purposely trying to break and being abusive to, um, this the 25 millimeter red dot and it's, it's got a larger window than we, a lot of our other ones. So it gives you bigger field of view. And that's one of the things we've tried to work on as far as, um, making sure that, you know, help with the astigmatism. Cause I, I, I myself have really bad astigmatism. Most red dots, when I look through them, I have what I would best describe as a drunken snowman effect when I looking through it. And so, uh, you know, we've been trying to improve the the the, the, uh, the emitter and everything like that, the clarity, so that way you get a sharper image. But that astigmatism still does affect us, and that's why, you know, for me personally, I really like that 2x because it, it it acts a lot like a red dot. It's just a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier. But that being said, you know, a lot of our red dots have been super popular, especially with the AK platform. Something small, light, not too big, but still very robust to handle the recoil and regular abuse. At the risk of putting you on the spot, Ian, uh, one thing I've noticed with other another company that has large glass is that uh, the parallax, which is to say, you know, if we let's say we have the, and this is not for Ian's benefit, but for our listeners, because I didn't know this until more recently than I'd like to admit. Let's say you bolt the gun down, and uh, with your perfect cheek weld and your zero, the red dot is perfectly on the bullseye. Now we don't move the gun; we just move our head. And when we move our head, 
really far, we'll start to see that dot pointing to other places, even though we know that the barrel, the point of impact of the bullet is still going to be on the bullseye. And with a another optics manufacturer, I've found that when I, that the parallax gets really bad as I get more than say 25% off the, the, the middle of the glass with my eye. Is that baked into the cake with larger glass red dots, or do you guys work to limit that, or can you educate us a little bit on that effect? Well, um, so we did work to eliminate that as much as we can. Um, now, with a, a red dot, the way that that system works is they actually take a, a spherical lens and they cut a section of the lens out, and you're basically looking at a reflection of the LED off that lens. And so if you ever take a red dot, and it can be whether it be a primary arms or most other brands, if you look at the front lens, it's gonna look like it's canted and curved. You may even think that it might be broken because it's at a weird angle. And that's basically, that's done on purpose. It's so the light can reflect back to your eyes. And so with any red dot, you will see some parallax. And that's just because you're looking through a little bit of a curved lens and you're looking at it at various angles. However, you can, you can play with that design and achieve very little to basically no detectable parallax with those if if you're very clever of how you take that design and also another thing too is you want to work on some of the coatings on the, the lens itself as well as the amount of reflection that you see that's induced by other parts of the red dot so, so something like if you look inside a red dot you'll notice there's a bunch of like ridges or it might be super super black and that can kind of help with take away some of that stuff as well to kind of draw your you know kind of um basically reduce the amount of parallax that you will see in the red dots. Um, and that's one of the things that we've been working really hard and we've actually improved a lot of our older optics or older red dots to, to reduce that, that parallax or pretty much eliminate it. Um, and we've worked a lot with the factories to, to do that a lot of time back and forth with the factories to try to get that. So we don't have those issues. Very good. So, um, the red dot, the two X prism, the one by six scope. Now, Miranda, was I reading this correctly? You primary arm started as an optics company. Yes, I did. Okay, it actually started in the back of a barber shop. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's different. So I know that Marshall was tired of always saying all these optics that were aftermarket and weren't very good quality. So he decided to shop to start it in the back of a barber shop. And now primary arms doesn't just have our optics division. We also have wholesale.com and government and we're growing at a crazy rate. Well, you guys have been around for a while. I know that uh, I've been shopping at primary arms. I mean, even before I started doing this, uh, but you guys sell everything. I mean, you even sell other, uh, other companies products as well. Uh, but you're kind of like the right. one-stop shop for firearms kind of well, deal. And that's the goal. And I know that, you know, with Marshall bringing, you know, me and a couple other key people on, it's really increasing that brand awareness so we can be more on par with our competitors when it comes to the optics side, you know, all the division sides. Mm -hmm. So when are you guys going to start manufacturing your own ri rifles and guns and <laughs> firearms? We'll see. It's cool. We'll see. <laughs> Very good. Um, was that the three scopes that um, fall into our 762 with 39? Was there anything else? 
Um, that was a, that was a th the th three main ones. We've had a, a, a 3X fixed power prismatic that's been one of our more popular for, for years now. Um, there's not been anything really new change with that one, but these are the three big new ones. Gotcha. The one thing I would definitely say is when it comes to um, the CEO, Marshall, is I feel like he's really open to new ideas when it comes to everything. And so I think that's what is so exciting working here is, you know, no opportunity is, you know, not looked at. Yeah. So he's open to, to listening to people's ideas. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very good. So now uh, what I want to get into, and this, this uh, kind of jumped ahead a little bit when we did the scopes, um, we've had several people that want to talk about different loadouts for different uses. And I think, I think I've got like the, the main uses laid out there, if you guys think of anything else. Um, but what I can think of is self-defense, you know, home, home use, competition, hunting, uh, precision, and then you've got, you know, your rifle or your pistol variations uh, on the AKs there. For, for home defense, and we'll start with Brian, what's a, what's a recommended loadout that somebody would want to kit their AK with? And would they want to go rifle or do they want to go pistol? Um, you know, it kind of depends where they are. I have a, a friend in, um, in a southern state that um she's not a uh, a typical she's not a gun person but um things are getting pretty frisky down where she is and she's concerned about being able to get out of the city that she lived in um if things go down yeah. and for her um since she's not very skilled does not have a handgun this is her only her only firearm that she was having me set her up with i set her up with one of our pistols um though there are many ak pistols out there that are good and um a i didn't set her up with a plate carrier because that was a lot of weight and uh, even though i'd like her to have it i ended up setting her up with a micro rig from soe that has a med pouch and three mags mm -hmm. my personal feeling is that if you use up the three mags plus the one in your gun you're definitely going to be on the national news in front of n <laughs> magazine and everything so you know that if, if i have a you know a a loadout that I used for going to contractor classes and stuff. That's uh, eight mags on my body plus one in the gun. And the loadout weighs like 80 or 90 pounds with water in it. That's not, you know, you kind of, even in self-defense, you got to think about, am I talking about the zombies marching or am I trying to get out of a city if things are weird? Well, and um, yeah, I mean, that's what you gotta, you gotta weigh. So if you're just doing a home self-defense, then obviously, you know, you don't need that hopefully, but if you do, then you're taking it out of the home onto the streets. And then once you hit the streets and you want to get that big mag carry like you're talking about. Yep. Yep. And that's one of the things that's cool about those micro rigs. And there are other companies that make them too, is you can just sling the thing. It's a good, it's better than a bag in some sense. And that you can just throw it over your shoulder and everything will stay in there. And you have medical and, uh, and some mags. And, uh, you know, if, if you're just going to have a, a firearm tucked in the corner of your house, um, and you have a, an everyday carry, I think a rifle length uh, AK is fine or a pistol length. Both of them have plenty of knockdown power. Mm -hmm. I, I think having medical on your gun, if you're planning on doing, you know, combat in your underpants, uh, having at least a tourniquet on the sling or something like that is a good idea. 
And then, you know, all guns should have a light, a sight. Primary arms make really beautiful ones. And uh, some backup irons are always, are in my mind, required. I don't care how good or how much money you've paid for a red dot. If it gets mud on it, it's not going to be useful. So a QD mount on that on that optic and some iron sights. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty good for the very basic self-defense in my mind. I don't know what other people... So I got a question. I got a question for you. So as I'm going, you know, through these different scopes uh, on the the 1775, and, and really any of the the AKs that I have that have the rails, uh, it seems like I'm sacrificing the real estate for my irons. It's like I'm having to take the irons off um, to to be able to to get the scope on there. So what what do you recommend for that? A QD. Um, the QD Do you mount? mean on the 70, 1775 itself or, uh, oh, yeah, on any of them? I understand what you're saying. Yeah, if 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 you're putting one of these magnified pieces of glass on and um, you're going to be in a hurting way if it goes down, then I think either a set of excess uh, big dot 45 offset ones um, or your charging handle or a QD mount is a good way to go. Now explain um, I, the charging handle. So I can take one of our uh, 1775 and sight along the top of the rail and just like a shotgun and hit steel at 50 yards all day long. And you can do a similar thing by tipping the gun outboard if you're right-handed and using the charging handle as a primitive sight post. I've and, not heard uh, that. that. Oh, I think that... I don't know if it was Sonny Pazikas that brought it to the U.S. or another Russian dude, but uh-huh. but that's a Russian technique, yeah. And it, there are times I got to try that. Yeah, it's 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 for everybody should try that when they've got a really big berm because it does take practice. Um, <laughs> yeah, really big berm. <laughs> there is a similar trick you can do by just using the sight tube of a red dot mm-hmm. and turning off the the LED. Now, in any quality red dot, it's generally not the battery going dead that is your problem. Um, it is fog or mud, you know, that that's a problem. Yeah. And so, but if you do have Mother the off chance that the electronics go down, the uh, the sight tube gives you a, a minute of man kind of accuracy. Okay. Yeah, just go, just go train in torrential downpour raining conditions and you see how mother nature can rear its ugly head and uh you know most people train in in ideal conditions and never really test these things so that's why it's important to go do that you see where their shortcomings are even though they're incredibly advantageous they have they have shortcomings and that's jared seagraves with 212 training group jared tell tell everybody about yourself while we got you well um Kind of hard to hard to know where to start. I've done a little bit of everything. I spent a long time in the uh, the thoroughbred uh, business, training horses and, and breeding, and about sixteen years. I got out of that and got into education, and um, kind of started uh, down the my own training road in in twenty eleven, and realized quickly that I had I had no idea what I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know until somebody showed me, and yeah. and it really inspired me to have a, a hunger for learning again and that that's a pretty cool thing is as, as adults we sometimes forget how powerful 
learning something new is because we get comfortable, we get set in our ways at, at our jobs or whatever the case may be. So anyway, as I started learning more and more, I started wanting to share that information. And um, when I entered public education in 2011, it, it was one of the greatest things ever to be able to share information. I'm not going to spiral down into the public education uh, <laughs> hole. Right now, we would be here too long, and you don't want to hear me rant. But <clears throat> I moved away from that a few years after I started uh, 212 Training Group, and, and I've had the opportunity to learn from some of the best and work with some of the best. That's how Brian and I met. And um, <clears throat> we just love sharing sharing information. So I met Brian when I was working as an adjunct instructor for, for Travis Haley from Haley Strategic Partners, and that's where Brian and I met. So he introduced me to the ODS. I was actually uh, in Vegas and had the opportunity to run uh, RD-704 pistol and fell in love with that. And then I picked up the, the ODS-1775. I think it was, which rifle was that? The prototype, Brian? Yeah, that was that was the prototype you shot. So it's it's quite a bit lighter than, than, than now than that first one. But yeah, that was, uh, that was, yeah, definitely the prototype. Is that the one you brought to Nashville? That we shot yeah, it was, exactly. It was the same one you shot as a prototype too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And there's only there's only one of them. So yeah, you guys shot, <laughs> shot, shot the same one for sure. And and uh, and we didn't get COVID. How about that? Yeah, yeah. And if I could uh, pump Jared's tires for a second here, I've trained with a lot of different folks, and um, you know, Jared does not have that. He was a you know secret. SEAL Team 8 sniper and all this stuff to his name, but what he does have is a fantastic grasp of adult education and communication and a lot of skill. And uh, the only person I've seen move better than him, um, and this is a compliment, is Travis Haley. And, and Jared was really able to integrate that, that kind of special sauce that uh, Travis has in his own practice. He doesn't train as far as I know, Haley's curriculum, but he, he moves in a very similar way to Haley that is, and he manages to teach that and those, those ergonomics very well. Well, if and, they made uh, a movie about Travis Haley, he would be a good stand in for that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. He, he could be I his stand in. You want to see, see somebody move that's impressive. And that's Robert Bruce. Uh, oh, Sheen, he's incredible. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what it all comes down to is we just want to share information. You know, you guys are are building some of the best equipment out there, and our goal is to bring that to the consumer. Um, my goal is to find out what people want and help them achieve that goal. A lot of people now, you know, we're in the midst of record gun sales, so many new gun owners. Um, trainings have been filling like crazy. And we always, we have people coming to our next AK training in July that five or six of them don't even have an AK. And, and we're going to set them up with demo guns. And that's a pretty incredible thing because I think most of us know how hard it is to get people to train. It's hard for them to allocate time. They've got jobs, families. We all know how busy life is. Most people can't afford to spend three days because they're using vacation time, it's time away from their family, whatever the case may be, there's plenty of excuses. And to have people say, well, I don't really have an AK, but I would like to come to this training, can you help? Well, the answer is gonna be yes, because we want to bring 
new people into this community. That's awesome. Um, wow, that's and, awesome, yeah. And, and it's great to be able to have the tools to put in people's hands because most of these, a lot, I would say a, a large percentage of people that come train with us, they don't know what optics to buy. And, and that's one of my goals, and, and I've been trying to slowly build my inventory of guns and gear and optics and things like that is I, I tell people all the time, if you want to come train and you don't have equipment, don't go buy it. I want you to come here and, and try five or six different optics or two or three different handguns. And, and you know, we only try to keep the most reliable platforms that we have found. And don't, I'll probably step on some toes saying this, but don't go into a gun store and listen to the people behind the counter. Um, some places. In, in some ways. Some, some places. ways, yes. Okay, there are so great places like Royal Range in, in Nashville that, you know, they have the rental programs where you can rent the sure. gun, go out, shoot it, you know. But, yeah, but, but there's what there's better environment than a training environment to try out, you know, different types of firearms? Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll back up a little bit. There is a tremendous amount of knowledge out there, but in so many cases, people walk into a, a gun store and say, well, I really don't know what I want. Well, you look like a little petite yeah. person, you need this gun, or whatever the case may be. Come to an environment where you can run them and try it and experience it and make your own decision. Um, so that's been one of our goals is just to give people the opportunity to make the best decision for themselves. And inevitably they have their, they're full of questions and, yeah. of that's a great way so, to do it. And you guys are based out of Texas, right? Yes, sir. We're in, in central Texas. We're about 35 miles west of Waco, Very not cool. too far from Houston. And we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, some training opportunities that our listeners can get involved with, with you in just a second. Let's run through this list real quick. Cause we're. We're getting short on time, and I want to go through our listeners' questions here. Uh, so self-defense setup, um, like a home defense, something like that. You're looking at a red dot setup, backup irons. Sling options, uh, Brian? Slings could, are, are highly personal on our rifles. I've, I've done our very best to uh, give you all kinds of options. Like on our new hex stock, there's three different QD mount points on each side one of which is just it's about two inches behind the my favorite place to mount the rear of a sling on an ak is two or three inches behind the grip and the reason for that is if you want to switch hands or if for some reason you've you are grabbing the grip where the sling might be hanging if it's too close to the grip you're going to grab the sling with the grip and uh so we've pulled our qd mounts back a little bit from that sort of part of the gun back there or at least where we interface it and then up front there's a whole bunch of people that offer good options um blue force gear i think they're called has has a sling that works real well for the ak mm -hmm. uh soe makes some great slings yeah there's um, a lot of a lot of good companies out there that, that yeah. make slings and then single point or double point my person you know the russian method is that at the first sign of of a threat your sling comes off and uh so i'm not a big fan of the the single points for a variety of reasons just with how with how they work for me i don't find them be, to be good if you're moving with them at all but a lot of people like them and they sure. do allow you to transition you know you can swing the gun in a in a nice way but um for me double point is good but i'm curious as to what other people feel well some of it boils down to um 
level of training is what it always boils down to to me. Um, I, I prefer versatility. I like the, the ability to be able to go single point to, to two point. Um, but, you know, I also spend a lot of time running in both formats. And um, a lot of people will show up to trainings with uh, a two point and they really haven't done a lot of manipulations yet. They've, they've got the gear. They haven't really put it through its paces. Right. And in, in every situation, there's going to be advantages or disadvantages to a specific setup. And that's why training is so important. You've got to get out there, learn different methods, and it, it has to flow, whether it's, whether it's live fire training or drop training at home. You've got to put in your time and put in your homework and do the work. Um, because if you're going to manipulate a gun, you, you better be able to know how to do it in a single point format or a two point format, both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always advantages and disadvantages. And this is one of those um, aspects where you don't want to get too entrenched in one you know, avenue of thought because in different applications, one, you know, the other way may be a more advantageous. Sure. Absolutes, absolutes are dangerous and, and almost. So it's how you're going to you know, use the gun and what you go out and train with. Um, so right. for self defense, and, and some people may not even, for home defense, you know, sling may not be an option for them, you know. Uh, they may get tied up with it, trip over it, fumble with it, you know, then don't use a sling. Um, but for, you know, self-defense out in public going out, you know, you're going to be carrying, uh, then, yeah, definitely you got to have a sling. No I tell you it. another another aspect is we I was working with another group here in Texas and and we were doing um, a SWAT medic course and we were doing live fire training and the guys were trying to manipulate their slings with all of their medical gear all their kit on and the safeties as they're flinging their guns around and trying to put them on their back safety is being swept off now this was on ar platform it's a little bit different with the ak but none of these guys had ever really considered that being a risk until they went through the training and went through the process and so when you witness that it's pretty telling that gear matters you know and and a lot of people in in the market today buy all this gear and they've got it sitting in their closet or sitting in their vehicle until you get out and put it through the paces and identify um areas like that when you've got a safety issue not not talking specifically just about a mechanical safety but an overall safety issue resulting from gear that's a big deal and that that's a huge uh, huge aspect in in learning that we all need to to kind of think about yeah uh what about a competition setup anybody here run competitions with the ak yeah no um I don't think I've ever run a competition that I can think of. Um, we do have some competition guys. Um, and uh, we've got the, the Kirkham shelf that is a, a definite performance upgrade. Um, Krebs calls his the uh, oh speed-loading rifle, I think. And it's the same thing that's on a, on a foul where you've got a, an index point, And that, that really boosts competition performance. Jared and my other um, pro shooters say that uh, they think they get between a quarter and a half a second of gain out of using that. Mm-hmm. That's about the only thing that I can think of other than, you know, ditching 
I'm not a big fan of the race gun thing, but you know, I wouldn't bother sticking a light on a gun just for weight with competition, but that'd be about the only thing I'd change off one of ours. One of my, one of our listeners uh, sent a link of a company who, I mean, that's what they do is competition guns and specifically AK platform dissident arms. You guys familiar with dissident arms? I'm not familiar with them. Yep. Totally. Um, they, most of their stuff that, that I've seen that's really off the chain, as they say, is uh, on Sega shotguns. Yeah, their uh, shotguns are really off the chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't. I haven't shot one, but their look, look their work looks beautiful. Yeah, I don't know them personally. They really look uh, fast, but they do uh, other uh, guns as well. But the Vepers, what they I guess specialize in, and they do some Segas as well. Um. But, uh, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, competition's competition. You want to go light and you want to go hard, you know. So um, I don't think any of us are, you know, like I said, uh, experts enough to really comment on here's a great setup for competition. But there are companies out there like Dissonant Arms that uh, definitely could help you with that. Uh, it's like, Adam, are you losing your connection? I think, I think we lost him. I think Adam's losing his connection. Let me see if I can call him back real quick, and then uh, we're, we're going to run through this, and we'll get to our listener questions because we're running running long here. I appreciate you guys hanging in there. Can you can you hang up and call us back? Hey, I can hear you. Can you? No, you're breaking up. Yeah, it's storming really bad here. Oh, you got some badass storms. All right, well, hang hang in there, and we're going to do this giveaway here in just a minute. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, hunting, which is what I'm more particularly interested in right now. Uh, so hunting-wise, um, was able to take the, uh, the 1775 pistol out on a little hog hunt not too long ago. And, and these guys were not AK guys, but they were incredibly impressed with, with this little package and how effective it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the advantage... One of the advantages of the AK that a lot of people out there don't understand, and specifically my experience with the ODS 1775, is its accuracy with, for the cost per round. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Um, so people don't think about these as traditional hunting rifles, but they're incredibly effective, especially uh, when you think about the, the the feral hog issue that we have here in the state of Texas and people it's it's, it's a growing across the nation it's, too. Yeah. it's growing yeah yeah definitely uh, I've taken the the Vishka out and I've done some some predator and some you know pest hunting with it and it's been very effective uh, I'm, I'm setting up I'm specific and I've, I've talked about this on the show I'm specifically setting up my ODS 1775 for deer hunting this season so that's one of my you know reasons why i'm amping up you know trying to find the scope trying to find you know everything that's going to make it as precise as as possible and jay's going to argue you know you know our league of pirates buddy jay he's going to argue with me i guess till the day we die um ak's are accurate they're not precise uh, but i think they can be precise you know with the right equipment accessories and whatnot ammo uh, then you can be precise with with uh, an AK-47. And Brian, I'm going to prove it because I'm going to shoot that. I'm going to put four inside that at 200. Oh. 
I love that idea. It, 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 the guys I'm holding up Brian's challenge also, coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we ship a serialized challenge coin with every gun. So uh, yeah, just something. I don't know. A lot of people love them. We thought it would be a fun thing to do. And oh, it's and, a nice know, we, touch. Definitely cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to yeah, ruin no, mine. I'm going to put four right in that at 200. I'm going to show. I'm going to prove Jay wrong. Is like that's precision, baby. Yeah, I, I don't argue with Jay much. We debate a lot, but he's he's flat ass wrong. Like the AK can be both. You know, we <laughs> we, we haven't shipped a gun yet that shoots over two MOA with Red Army standard, and um, you know the the yeah they're they if if they're set up properly and shot properly, they're very accurate. I was showing you my target. I don't know if you can see that. You know, that was at one hundred. Uh, the other day with that dot, you know, that I'm saying that if I had a more precise dot, um, then I could get even more precise with those. But I think it it was my shooting platform and my uh, my reticle. Uh, yeah. And I, I could have got even more accurate with it. Yeah, we need to uh, send Lefty out to Jared for some classes because that, that target was a true embarrassment. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a little harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, no, you saw, no. if you saw the reticle I was using. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, fair, fair. I think it you is. just said called out. <laughs> I know. That's what well, I'm saying. what I do and blame your eyes. It's like he doesn't, he doesn't want me saying I shot groups like that with his rifle. So. No, no, because Miranda, one thing that you probably don't, we, we ship a test target with every gun. And so I know what his gun will do, and uh, with a with a just a plain old red dot on it. And so I'm I feel I feel secure in my convictions at the moment. But you know, if he had a bad, if, if he was on a, a bad uh, uh, bad platform, or uh, you know, one thing that's a really big deal with magnified optics is making sure that your ergonomics and cheek weld are right. And I've noticed that if, if everything's not right, you're not going to be shooting sub MOA. And so, well, that's no, another in, thing in I've got to change. Also, is the stock, um, the one that you sent me. It's got the the Sig stock. Yep. So I'm, I I need to switch it out. I need to get your new hex stock, which you know I want to talk about the the new stock that you have. Is that a uh, Picatinny stock or is that a different kind? No, but yeah, we're moving to full pick on everything now we're not we're getting we're ditching the rear tang um and moving everybody to 1913 rear trunnions because the world of, of pick stocks is really opening up um jmac customs one of our friends is coming out with a whole line as well and uh, ours are going to be folding as soon as we can get the parts from sig and uh, so uh yeah that's a, a really great way to go um with our stock right now it's a fixed yeah, it just clamps onto the pick rear trunnion there. Yeah. Two, you know, about so that, three. That plays part in my my pursuit of precision as well. So, uh, you know, it's changing out the stock. It's uh, getting the right uh, optic on there. Uh, oh. You know, getting the right shooting platform. I mean, I've got a couple of different things I'm trying out there as well. Uh, you know, and ammo, ammo as well. I mean, I've tried out some different ammo and. There's there's some ammo that it just it just hates and it spits it, you know, everywhere. With other ones, you know, I, I you know I can get a nice you know half MOA group with some of the stuff, you know. So interesting. Um, that is one thing that for sure with hunting that I think 
Um, Defiant Munitions has sent you some stuff, but he's another buddy of ours, makes a beautiful Swiss CNC machined bullet. It's a solid copper projectile that opens into this death flower uh, at very low uh, speed. So even if you've transitioned to subsonic, it'll, uh, it'll open up for you. And that's the, you know, that's the big change. That's the only major change out that I would make to our rifle is when you're, when you're either hunting two leg or well, not hunting two legged critters, but defending yourself from two legged critters. Yeah. Um, well, I have hunting. no doubt the accuracy that I'm getting out of this right now. I mean, I could just take it out today with any of these scopes that I put on, even a red dot, and I'm going to take a deer down, no problem. Uh, you Heck know, yeah. as far as yep. as far as you know, hunting, putting meat on the table. It's good to go, but you know, like like I told you, I'm I'm wanting to show the precision side of it, and you know that's the that's the way I'm headed with it. So, hunting, awesome. I mean, hunting. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different things you can set up there. Precision. We talked about some things there. There's just tons and tons of places you can go now, aftermarket, and get accessories for AK-47s. It's it's really opened up, and I think that's what's really driven the popularity of the AK-47 now and making it more more and more popular uh, in America, in the United States. Uh, but you got your old school, you know, don't change it, you know, use the wood furniture, people die hard, and then, you know, you got your people who, uh, like me, I like to change anything and everything on it. So, uh, I mean, we could talk days about, about all these different uh, ways to set it up. But I want to get to our listener questions. We're running, we're running low on time, so let's go to. And if you guys, if you've got Instagram, you got Facebook. Our guest, if you'll go to those posts that I did on Instagram and Facebook, that's where I'm going to be pulling our questions from here. And we're going to be doing a giveaway. So we're going to be giving away ten U.S. Palm mags. And you can have your choice of the new translucent ones or their standard. Uh, U.S. Palm Mags, and we're going to give five people are going to get two mags, and it's going to come from our our list of of participants on the questions here. So I'm going to Instagram, and we'll just start off. And Tandem Dooley says, with the list of things we have learned so far in regards to zeroing distance, etc., what would be the main thing to work on to effectively run the platform? Is it better to work first on body mechanics for operating the weapon or loading, reloading? All of this is, of course, after you've uh, gotten the basic rifle marksmanship. Uh, I think Jared would be a good person to answer that. Yeah, I think um, depending on what training scars you might have from the AR platform, uh, I know a lot of people struggle with that. Another one of our instructors has just recently picked up the AK platform and safety manipulation and reloads are the biggest thing that he's struggling with. The reloads are a little bit tough and they can be. I I know that magazines are paramount as far as uh, the efficiency of the reload, depending on what magazines you, you have available. Um, that also is highly dependent on the gun you have. So working out those magazine issues and then be, being certain that they're going to feed into the gun efficiently uh, and then just getting the mechanics of that, that reload down. Um, one thing, one advantage that I think the AK has is 
when you positively seat that magazine, it's there. You know, a lot of AR guys struggle with, especially if they're overloading their mags, not seating that magazine fully, and then round goes off, or they try and chamber around, and the magazine drops on the ground. You don't really have that issue with, with the AK, um, so I think that's a plus. But the mechanics of the reload are, are typically what people struggle with the most, at least what I've seen in my experience. Gotcha. That, I think, worry, worry about that once you've really um, mastered the fundamentals of shooting, um, you know, trigger, trigger press, things like that. Um, but manipulating the gun, I think the reloads are the biggest thing that people struggle with. Very good. Any other comments on that? So Fisher 2989, can you guys talk about some of the following things? And we've talked about some of this already. Best sling options, mill cert, single point versus two point. Brian touched on that. Uh, what was the sling that you were recommending, Brian, the two point? You know, SOE is my personal preference, but, uh, you know, I haven't, and this, I'm shocked that Jared hasn't put one on me yet, but the Haley has a, yeah, has, the H has a yep. two to one point that when I saw the, the instructor cadre using theirs, I would, I was like, Oh, that looks real and like not a waste of money. So, um, yeah, yeah I would, I would, if I weren't so crusty and set in my ways at this point um i would absolutely be looking at one of those and miranda i don't want to put you on the the spot here but do you do you know what your best selling sling is uh primary arms i said honestly i don't sorry the sad thing is oh. when it comes to sales within the dot com it's hard to keep enough things in stock at this point <laughs> yeah no doubt all the panic buying and you know because the election year and covid yeah yeah, everything's a good seller right now, isn't it? If you can get it in, it'll sell. <laughs> Seriously. There are a lot of, as you know, new gun enthusiasts that are, you know, coming to primary arms. Uh, and we're seeing that. You know, a lot of new people to the to the firearms industry are getting into it because of, you know, the unfortunate circumstances. But it's opened up a lot of eyes, the importance of the Second Amendment, that it's not just for uh, the Bubba Hunter that's out there. So. Best silver lining of all time period <laughs> end of story if only if only they don't forget about it in six months you know uh, so the next next one that fisher has is mag carriers mag pouch options you gave a good one um good recommendation there brian earlier yeah the uh the the soe micro rig for getting going is great for mag pouches um i think i've said it before that i've honestly used airsoft stuff when i haven't had the money for the really nice stuff um <laughs> yeah. so and there's a there's a bunch yeah a bunch of airsoft looking stuff on on amazon that that is actually quite good and um as long as you're not afraid to use you know some paracord and a sewing machine and you can you can mod all that stuff out really easily and um yeah Buy your significant other if you don't know how to sew. Buy them a, a nice set of heavy-duty needles and some heavy-gauge thread, and they'll make your life better in a big way. There you go. You got a, a quick um, preference there, Jared? Yeah, I I prefer to use G-Code Scorpions. Um, that's just what has worked for me uh, so far. If you're doing a, a tack load, they're a little bit tough to kind of feed that mag back into. Uh, at least in a in a speedy manner, um, but the retention's good, and, and you can vary that retention a little bit with the, the paracord. But 
that's that's my go-to right now. But I'm also always on the search for anything else that's out there because I need to be able to convey that to you know to the end user, the consumers sure. that are asking us it. So I'm yeah. always on the hunt. For anything. So, Jared, does Jared sorry to cut in? Do those work equally? Can you use the same Scorpion for both an AR and an AK mag? Yes, that's one of the ad nice. ad. Uh, very advantageous for both platforms so you don't have to do a bunch of switching you know so your listeners yeah. send me an email talking at gmail.com let me know what you're using and we'll pass it on to to jared there uh casey loftus says i want to hear more about primary arms slx one to six by 24 uh first focal plane rifle scope illuminated acss raptor 300 bo 769 <laughs> Uh, he goes on to say, I went with an Aimpoint T2 on my ODS 1775, but for some applications, this might be the route needed for magnification. Uh, so we did talk about that. Uh, Ian did a great job talking about it. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Ian? Well, um, I mean, the, the, that scope's very versatile. Um, like somebody mentioned, you know, you get the dial down to one X and it, it's a lot like a red dot. Now it's not going to be as bright as your aim point. I mean, there's not, you know, we've been doing our best to improve the, the illumination, but there's not a whole, you know, we can't quite achieve uh, burn out your retina type scenarios yet. But the, the great thing about that scope is it's got the etched reticle. So if you do run out of battery, you still have something there. That's great. And yeah. it would take a lot of damage and, and um, abuse to get that thing where it won't hold zero and you lose that option. So it's, you know, it's one of those things that if you have to use it without the illumination, you're not guessing as to where you're aiming. It's still there. You can still use it. Casey is another Tennessee uh, volunteer over there and uh, a deer hunting son of a gun and a really good dude. And, uh, yeah, you you and he ought to compare notes on uh, yeah. on deer hunting this fall. He, yeah, they don't come any better for people for what it's worth. Don't shoot my deer, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> all right bird brain industry uh he's got a request here for the ak corner he'd like to see uh kyle itsy and zach smith shooting they teach an ak class uh have won red october and other competitions uh, i think they'll be good insight on using ak in competition so there we go we can get some competition uh pointers from those guys so that's a good suggestion do anybody know those? Does anybody on here know those people? Uh, vaguely. No. Sounds like a fantastic idea. I think getting a, a Red October warm-up episode going in, you know, July or August there would be really cool. Okay. And I don't I don't have much at all in the way to offer for advice, so sitting back and hearing. Have we heard if Red October's been canceled or are they still just kind of holding out? Um, let's just, we can live in hope. I don't know what the, what the status, I don't know if anybody knows what the world's going to look like in six weeks, you know, let alone six but, months. But damn but, it, you got to plan ahead. You just got to go ahead and make it happen. If it don't happen, it don't happen, but plan for it. There well, you go. Exactly. Texas, Texas Kalash Bash was, uh, rescheduled for October. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That could be a early conflict. Yeah, early <laughs> October. I think oh, well, uh, October is usually the, the end of October. Well, there we go. We've, uh, it'll, yeah. So September, we ought to, uh, do that show or maybe August. I'm down with it. We, we should go cool. to, we should go and do a show from Kalash Bash and Red October. 
that would be very cool. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a fun time, even if you're not going to compete. You know, it's it's like a mini shot show for AK folks. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Jason or J. Edgar Paradox question: What is everyone's go-to sling for their AK and why? So we talked about that. Navy Vet Patriot, how hard is it to take a traditional AK and outfit it with aftermarket pick rail and all that good stuff? Also want, uh, what about 80, AK 80% lowers? Do they actually work or is it just better to buy already made serialized lower? Uh, it says, I have a bill kit and want to go tactical as fuck with it, hoping that it will outperform my AR-15. <laughs> <laughs> A noble endeavor that will, it'll, it's a wonderful journey, but the first couple, gosh, first three or four guns I built, I wouldn't have trusted my life to at all. So it takes a little while, but um, Childers Guns and Arms of America both sell really good 80 lowers that are already heat treated and the rails are already welded in. And you can get a simple jig from um, AK Builder or Robert Forbes or I think AOA um, for that. But making the receivers like the first 5% of building an AK. So uh, Lefty's comment still holds, I think, taking a build class, um, you know, Rifle Dynamics or Mesa Kinetic, somebody like that um, is, is a real good, real, real good money spent. Absolutely. Hopefully we're going to see some Occam build classes before long. Just yeah, yeah, that's, that's in the works here. It won't be the full ball of wax, but it'll be – It'll be a high-level armors class for sure. King Clayton, 36. <laughs> and he says, which way to give my gun the reach around? <laughs> so he's talking about charging, charging it. Uh, how do you guys prefer to uh, charge your AKs? <laughs> I prefer under. Under? I'm sure Brian's under. I'm an under guy, but Jeff Kirkham makes a very strong gonna, argument for over. I was yeah. going to mention Jeff Kirkham. Yeah, I mean, it's all how you train, right? Yep, yep. And knowing them all is a big deal because some of them work in certain situations. And, like, for example, the Iraqi reload, if your hands are big enough and you're in California or another state where you can't have pistol grip <laughs> – you can only have 10 rounders the iraqi reload really makes a lot of sense so it's it really does depend on your situation um i had a i had a gun store asshole uh story where i was the asshole uh that i was going to share earlier but i'll briefly do it now just because it's so relevant the, i was at my local store in california with a bunch of yahoos at it and uh this guy was teaching this you know, if she was five feet, I'd be shocked. Little lady, and my wife is also very small and has trouble. She has damaged wrists from a, wrists from a lot of work in special ed with having kids fall purposely against her hand. So racking a handgun is really hard for her. And this guy was telling this young lady to rack the gun off of a tabletop, and uh, which... Gosh. is this common trope yeah that, that that's how you escalate the israelis may or may not do that when they're trying to escalate how much they're going to threaten somebody <laughs> and uh so this guy is telling her that and i just can't help it because i'm not going to let this lady walk out of a gun store with such a retarded way of doing things and so i walk up and i say i hate to be that guy but there's another way to do it and i look down and she only has one hand 
Oh man! I was, and I was about to show her the right way if you're small framed with using both using your shoulders effectively. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm that asshole. Never mind. <laughs> and I walked out the door. So you know, if if you only have one hand, your your reload is going to be different from That's your somebody. Option. Yep. Yeah. If, get a get a really durable belt. <laughs> yep. Good yep. sturdy durable belt. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, let's see. P Man three hundred one thoughts on adjustable gas blocks and pistons. Uh, adjustable pistons. I know some people that that think they're amazing, and some people that don't. I know that they don't work well on our guns because ours are properly gassed, and uh, there's not enough extra gas to fire them. Now you can always bore the gas port up in ours to make them work, um, but I think uh, adjustable gas. If if you're moving often between suppressor and un and unsuppressed you can sweeten it out a little bit but we've personally found a a middle ground with the way we gas our guns where we don't feel it to be necessary um but you know i haven't gotten my hands on one of the definitive arms adjustable gas blocks but they look really nice uh so i think there are good options out there um but you know, if you've got a massively overgassed gun, I think a piston is a good way to go. But it it does have um, extra parts, and I I personally really try to stay away from extra stuff on my on my guns. Um, so good point. Yeah, Ian, do you have a uh, any thoughts on that? Um, not not a whole lot to be completely honest. Um, that's where my area of expertise starts to uh, depart. Um. Most of my AK experience is relatively, uh, I try not to mess with it too much because I don't want it to break kind of thing. Gotcha. Miranda? Uh, not too much. What Brian said, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's usually my answer. Much. What Brian said. <laughs> yeah, what he said. All I right. second that. Um, uh, J. Edgar Paradox again. Uh, this is kind of funny. He said, "I would like to see a Buck Knives bayonet on the ODS seventeen seventy five, which is really not funny. It could actually happen. Maybe we need to make that happen, Brian." You know, there's a federal law limiting how much Idaho awesomeness we can allow the rescue. <laughs> Buck knives are unfortunately made in Idaho, about an hour and a half from me. And they're really good dudes. And sorry, but yeah, get the Democrats out of the out of the House and the Senate, and, it would just and we blow their minds, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, looks like KUSA wants to come on the AK corner, so I guess we might need to make that happen. Heck yeah! Uh, Cadillac Jack, our good buddy Cadillac Jack, he's been trying to make it happen for a little bit. Uh, there's a couple more. It's uh, duplicates. Let's go to Facebook real quick. Frijole Breeze, which also means bean fart. Uh, are there any recommendations for outfitting a home defense pistol rifle? We talked about this. Uh, I'm mainly thinking in terms of muzzle devices, balancing noise, flash suppression with length and weight. They have an AK pistol that is nice combination of size, balance, power. But do I spoil all that to make it indoor friendly? Well, I don't think any any time you're shooting indoor, it's not going to be friendly. So... Um, get get a can. You're gonna have to have a can. Get a can. Get a can. That's right. Yeah, yeah can. Can it out. Otherwise, you'll be blind and deaf. Yeah. And uh, his next question: Are there family-friendly training classes specifically targeted at 
indoor, close quarter, low light, home to fish training. Do you guys do that? We do family uh, training. We do corporate trainings. We do we we pretty much cater to what anybody needs. Uh, we typically avoid indoor ranges just from regulations. You know, a lot of public ranges. There's a lot of things they don't like you doing. Yeah. Um, draw work, movement, things like that. So, uh, but yeah, we we offer all of those. Um, we just ensure that all of our students have properly gone through the training steps to ensure a safe environment. Very good. So, and you know, I'm, I'm sure there's several, the yeah, I'm sure there's several places that if you're wanting to specifically train your family for your home uh, defense scenarios and situations that you could probably do private sessions with them. And sure. Uh, I mean, they'd probably need to be custom tailored. I know uh, Royal range in Nashville, they have an indoor training facility that's modular and they can configure it certain different ways. Um, and they do training there all the time. You simunition uh, type training. Right. And I'm sure there's places all around the, the country that do that. Um, and, uh, tactical response, you know, they, they're, they welcome families, but family friendly, it depends on your definition. There will be, <laughs> there'll be and, a lot uh, of cursing. Yeah. But, but boy, are they supportive when families come to train together? Um, and there's a lot of love there, but there will be also some profanity. But, so, yep. but that adds to the stress level, you know, and that's, that's, <laughs> yep. that's reality. So, yep. uh, giddy up says, I love the most popular stuff on primary arms for AK. Seriously. Great to order from. If you're looking, all of my orders have been great through them. So there you go, guys. There's a Thank phrase you. for primary arms from a lead head, uh, Jonathan Gallup, also known as giddy up. Does anyone have experience with the brace adapter stock adapters for M4 style stocks? I had my eye on the J Mac adapter. Uh, M4 AKM is the part number. Yep. Um, J Mac makes great products. Uh, they're friends of ours. And um, they're the, let's see, I think the one that he's referring to um, gets you into a tail hook mod one. Um, the particular recipe that we like is either the tail hook mod two or the tail hook mod one or the SIG. What are you running, Jared? The SBA three? Yeah, I'm running the SBA three on the SIG knuckle. And then I'm also running SBA three. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, the definitive arms uh, adapter on the rifle. Mm -hmm. And that's so, the yeah. one that... I, I had to notch the, the back of the desk cover, you know, to get it off. I sent you that video. Yep, yep. It works, it works perfectly. Um, then there's, uh, shoot, there's one other one that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. But, yeah, that that's just exploding. Oh, there's another one. Um, you can take the SIG brace and unscrew their wacky SIG makes some great stuff. Their their brace is not there yet, um, but it uh, the strut is good. the 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 dowel that that is between the the thing that you supposedly wrap around your arm and the rest of the gun, that part's great. But the 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 brace itself that grabs your arm is garbage, and um, you can swap that out. And if you go to Krebs Custom. I can't remember the name of the company, but they make a little screw-on adapter that lets you then put on a tail hook mod one. 
Um, we've got our own system as well in the works. It's not yet released, but uh, we'll be. We've got our own thoughts on how to do stuff, and uh, so yeah, I would expect a lot more in the way of that style of brace. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to do one more. We got several other ones. Let's do one more here. What are some good options for aftermarket muzzle brakes? Brad Reynolds. And I, I guess he's wanting to know types or where to get them. Not sure. You've been playing a bit with that, Jerry. Do you got any favorites yet? Uh, I'm, Primary I've arms? Got I've got a <laughs> um, I don't have any experience with the primary arms. I'm going to have to figure out how to, how to remedy that. Um, I'm also playing with the, uh, the Surefire SOCOM on the 1775 pistol. Neat. So, yeah, there's a lot of good options out there. All there there is. Yeah. A really good, fairly inexpensive one is made by Primary Weapon Systems. Um, I'm not a big fan of brakes on AKs, um, but their brake, if you're going to use one, is really good and not very much money. Um, the uh, the JMAC, or sorry, no, it's a dead air three prong flash hider. It doesn't have a detent if you're running a standard AK, so you'd need to Dremel one in or use. Um, Sarah, uh, gosh, the, help me, guys. Oh, rock set, rock set adhesive to get it on. Um, you just degrease both both sides of the thread and paint this glue on. Let it sit overnight and it'll hold it really securely. Well, there's a whole bunch out there, but there is. that's a bit of my experience, really. I, I've had some pretty good luck with, um, you know, kind of a an in, good entry level one is that the, the BG six. Not you know not anything fancy, but it does a good job as like an overall type of muzzle device. Yeah, you're right. I w I forgot about that one, and it definitely does some flash hiding on the front end. So you're right. It is quite the hybrid. What is the BG6? Uh, it's made by. Uh, um, oh, is, isn't that the, the it, brand BG6? I think the Gamma, right? Uh, I was thinking of familiar. the Epsilon, and you're uh, probably Epilon. thinking of the Gamma. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um but the Epsilon VV6 is your, um, yeah, is, is the one I'm familiar with. And, and it's quite compact. Uh, to me, a, a big part of why you want a muzzle device is something for the gun to digger into that, you know, in the ground that's not your barrel that gives you some chance of having the barrel not blow up if that happens when you're not paying attention. Yeah. All right. Great questions there. And then I had an email from Giddy Up again, and uh, Giddy Up is the one who recommended that uh, we get Dissident Arms on and talk about the competition uh, shooting there. So thank you for that recommendation, Giddy Up. Founded in 2012, IWIUS is the USA-based subsidiary of Israel Weapon Industries Limited of Ramat Hasharon, Israel. The IWIUS line of products includes the Tavor X95, the Uzi Pro pistol and SMG, the Galil Ace line of firearms, and the belt-fed Negev line of light machine guns. IWI's mission is to bring the highest quality firearms with real world proven reliability to the U.S. commercial and law enforcement market. IWI US are proud sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner and the Lead Head Brigade. Check us out at www.iwi.us and on social media under IWI US. So let's do it. Let's, let's do a giveaway now. So what I want is I want my guests to pick our winners. And how we're going to do this today is, Miranda, are you on Instagram or Facebook? She might have disconnected. She was having some uh, some power issues. Uh-oh. 
Okay, Ian. Yes. Are you on Instagram or Facebook? Um, I am on. Let's see the Facebook, but I don't know if it's working too well. It's I haven't got a, seen a comment for a moment. Okay, just go go to my Facebook page and my Instagram page, and I want you to pick a winner from each of those. Okay. Just go through there, and what what question you think deserves uh, to win? Uh, we're giving away two mags to each person, five people, U.S. Palm from Century Arms here. Okay. Brian, I want you to do the same. Uh, Jared, I want you to do the same. Is that five? That'd be six, wouldn't it? So Ian's going to pick two. Brian, pick one. Jared, pick two. I'm going to go with FPS Murdoch. Which technique do you prefer for reloading the AK? Very good. FPS Murdoch. Long-time listener. Long-time supporter. Is that from Instagram or Facebook? That's from Instagram. Okay, IG. Now I go to Facebook. Okay, from Facebook, let's go Kenneth H. McGee. What are the best muzzle devices for an AK pistol? Okay, so Kenneth McGee. Okay, all right. Brian. Uh, I am going to pick uh, Casey Loftus here with all favoritism, uh, with, with no shame of favoritism there. <laughs> okay, Casey Loftus. <laughs> yeah. Fellow Tennessean. There you go. I like that pick. Is that was that on Facebook? Uh, I believe that was Instagram. I, okay, Instagram. All right. And now, if Ian can get connected. Okay. Um, so on the Facebook, um, did we already pick Brad Reynolds? No, we did not. So Brad Reynolds, congratulations. Let's see. Back to that. Just putting this out there with a name like Frijole Breeze, it has to be good. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, let's do that one. Yep. You doing bean fart? Yep. <laughs> bean fart. There you go. You heard it. That's our guest selection there. Uh, FPS Murdoch, Kenneth H. McGee, Casey Loftus, Brad Reynolds, Frijole Breeze. Congratulations. You are the winners. Uh, of two U.S. Palm mags, and you get to choose whether you want the translucent or if you want the flat dark earth mag. Um, and I'll get your uh, information to to Adam. Shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com, and uh, make sure I get that over to Adam. And just a heads up, our winners in the past for the ammo and the magazines, uh, the Canic TP9 SFX that we gave away, uh, those are coming. All that stuff's coming. They've just, like um, Miranda said earlier, you know, these retailers have been hammered with orders, and they're back ordered on a lot of stuff. And uh, Century you know, is going through the same thing. So just be patient. Uh, all that is coming. You will get your prizes. Uh, and same thing with you guys uh, that won today. But shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com, with your contact info. We'll forward that over to Adam and get you guys taken care of. So a big thanks to Adam. He dropped off. They were having big storms there. We lost Adam. Uh, big thanks to Century Arms for being the presenting sponsors for this season of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Couldn't have done it without them and their support. Make sure you go to their Facebook, their Instagram, show them the love, uh, and then, of course, go buy their products in the stores. 
Uh, our supporting sponsors, Occam Defense Solution. Brian, this has been amazing with uh, everything that you guys have been doing for the show, your participation, your knowledge. Uh, we definitely couldn't have done this without you. So thank you for uh, all the time that you've put into this season. Uh, my great pleasure. It's a privilege to be on. And, uh, yeah, you got a great listening audience that I've interacted with offline. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real, a real gift for us as well. So thank you. The Leadhead Brigade is a, a great bunch of people. So uh, we yeah. appreciate all the support from them. Uh, again, go show Brian some love and uh, go. He's his new stock. Talk about your new stock. We didn't talk a lot about it. The Hex stock. Yeah. So um, it's a just a, a a really straight ahead fixed stock made out of billet aluminum. Um, same length as either a triangle fold length of pull as a triangle side folder or the Magpul MOE. It's really good for you folks in band states because it doesn't hinge. So you don't, you can go featureless with it and be okay. Oh, nice. It is, even though it's aluminum, it's almost exactly the same weight as the MOE stock. So you're not giving up anything there. It is hell for stout. Um, it has three uh, anti-rotation QD points for slings. So you can really dial in whatever you want. Um, and it has a hex pattern, like a honeycomb cutout in it, where you can lash with paracord on, you, you know, a tourniquet or whatever, whatever stuff you want. Um, but it's light, strong, and highly modular and adaptable. I like to call it the honeycomb stock. There you go. That's what I've been calling we thought it. Hex was more edgy. You can call it the honeycomb if you want. I'm good with that. We inadvertently, if you if you're a listener and you see this thing and it looks like the most hideous, god awful piece of garbage you've ever seen in your life, we inadvertently tripped. Um, it's called tripophobia, and I I have it very slightly, but there are some people that get skeeved out really hard by by honeycomb patterns and other like seed pods and stuff. Really? Yeah, and if you just Google, if you hate our stuff. Do me a favor and Google T R Y P O P H O B I A tripophobia. That's a real and, thing. Uh, it's a real thing. Get on Google Images, and if you, I'm really interested in hearing from you guys. I would love you guys to comment on Instagram or shoot us an email if you hate how it looks and also hate what those pictures look like like it'll really <laughs> it'll do something deep inside of you I'm i want to hear about it i'm, I'm gonna do that yeah yeah I'm, i so far it's a one-to-one -one match with the people that have not liked it and so we're considering doing a tripophobia compliant version without the uh honeycomb <laughs> that's that's hilarious for you folks that don't like that yeah <laughs> i love that and make sure you guys go and welcome our new sponsor to the, the AK Corner, IWIUS. Uh, Jeremy had such a good time on the last episode, and you guys uh, gave him such good response and feedback uh, that they decided to jump on and become uh, additional supporting sponsors uh, for the remaining four episodes of the Talking Lead podcast. So uh, go show them some love. Uh, their website, their Instagram, their Facebook – it's just IWIUS, and you'll find it there. And just let them know how much you appreciate them being on, taking the time, uh, sharing all that information about the Galil in our last episode. And I'm sure that you haven't heard the last of them. I think we'll probably get Jeremy on again in uh, a couple of these upcoming episodes. Uh, and then, of course, U.S. Palm, Red Army Standard, 
Canic USA, uh, great sponsors. Can't do it without them. Go show them love. And our special guest today, Primary Arms, Ian and Miranda. I know Miranda's, uh, we lost Miranda, but Ian, thank you guys so much for taking the time to be on. It's been a pleasure. And give everybody your social media, your website, where they can find you guys. So uh, for the the website, it's just primary or www.primaryarms.com. And then for the, the Facebook and social media, it's just Primary Arms. Um, we also have one for Primary Arms Optics for our optics side of the house and then Primary Arms for our regular just .com website side of the house. Very cool. And if you guys have questions for them, uh, I'm sure you have like a contact us uh, link on there. Yep, yep. So you can contact us via either Facebook or um, Instagram. And then if you want to email directly in info at primaryarms.com, go straight to our customer service line. And we got people standing by just waiting to answer all those questions. Well, we know some of the Leadhead Brigade's already uh, uh, patronizing your website. We had a, a little comment there from Giddy Up. He's really impressed with you guys. So you know if uh, Giddy Up is showing them praise, it's merited. So. Go check them out, primaryarms.com. And, uh, Ian, thank you again so much for taking the time. Hopefully uh, we can get you guys back on and uh, maybe on the regular show we'll talk about some of your other optics for other platforms. Okay, yeah, great. Thanks. Um, thank you for having us on, and that'd, that'd be great. Very good. So until then, guys, me and Brian are going to huddle up. We're going to come up with the topic for the next episode. Looks like maybe has to do with competition. Maybe we'll get into talking about some of these uh, events like Red October and what was that? A Kalash Bash? Kalash Bash, Texas, yeah. Yeah, um, so we'll do that. It's going to be at Eagle Lake, Texas. Yeah, and speaking of Texas, we've got Jared there with 212 Training. Give everybody all your contact info and how they uh, can get in touch with you. And you've got some classes coming up, so talk about those two real quick. Yeah, um, you can get us on Instagram, 212 Training Group, um, also on Facebook under 212 Firearms Training. Uh, the web's, web address right now, 212firearmstraining.com, but also 212 Training Group will take you there. Uh, we're kind of trying in the process of revamping the website. Um, yeah, we got some trainings coming up July. Uh, we're doing a two-day AK concepts here in Texas. Uh, got an August training coming up in South Dakota. We're going to be doing some low-light handgun and rifle training over the summer, uh, trying to, to avoid the heat. Come to Tennessee. Um, oh, man, if you, you get us a location, we'll be there. We're working on a location in North Carolina right now. Cool. Um, we're hoping to, hoping to do something in, in uh, Idaho, somewhere up there. You know, Idaho. <laughs> We've been discussing that. So, um, yeah. I mean, just, that'll really blow the minds of those libs up there. <laughs> <laughs> Buck uh, knives, two twelve training, and Occam Defense Solutions, all in the same state at one time. Holy cow! Going to be too much. It is. It is. So we're yeah, going to. I know ours was the only state where the militia showed up alongside Antifa when they tried to protest, and uh, <laughs> they were very well behaved. Uh, uh, kept them in yeah. line, huh? Yeah, we did. Those bricks yeah. magically disappeared. They sure do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, very good. So, uh, like I said, Brian and I are going to get together and work on blowing your minds on the next episode coming next month here on the Talking Lead AK Corner presented by Century Arms. <laughs>